This is the Nomad Futurist Podcast, a podcast about the evolution of technology, society, and transformation. Connect with us, share your thoughts with us at nomadfuturist.com. Let's get this started. Here are Phil and Nabil. Hello, hello, hello. This is Nabil Mahmood, your host at Nomad Futurist, live from Orlando, Florida. This is Philip Koblenz, your co-host, also live from Data Center World in Orlando, Florida. And this is Dennis Hahn. I'm also live here talking to these two guys. It's going to be a fun session. Dennis, welcome to the show. Let's start with getting to know you a little bit. Tell our audience, uh, what do you do? So I'm actually a data center storage analyst. I also kind of have a background in a lot of other things. So I ended up talking about sustainability this week as, as well as some of the hyperscalers and what they're doing in their data centers. So a data an analyst is basically somebody that reports on the industry. We actually sell information then to the industry about what we see, sell our opinions and really try to get the word out on how things should possibly be. So my kids, you know, if you ask them what they want to be, my son will say he wants to be a video gamer. In my generation, when somebody asked the kid what they wanted to be, they would say firefighter or cowboy or whatever. I assume when you were a kid, you didn't grow up and say, I want to be a data center storage analyst. So, <laughs> so I assume. I ironically or, or interestingly, I didn't say that, but I did say I wanted to be an engineer. Right. I'm not even sure I knew what an engineer was, you know, when I was in junior high. For some reason, an engineer was was what I wanted to be, and it was cool. I knew they did kind of mechanical or physical or, or kind of, you know, I didn't know that they had to take three years of calculus. Of course. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously. <laughs> if I would have known that, I probably wouldn't have wanted to be an engineer. <laughs> but, you know, I, said, I, I associated with more mechanical, more the way things worked, the more things operated. And I got that in my head and I, you know, all the way through high school. And then I, you know, into college, I said, I was going to be an engineer is the oddest thing. My parents thought it was odd too. <laughs> what did you end up majoring in? So I ended up majoring in mechanical engineering. And then I, later on in my career, I went and I got a, a business degree just so I could participate more in the business side of the organization. So let's share that journey from becoming a mechanical engineer to a storage analyst. How did it go about? Those are like two different sides of the spectrum. Well, like I say, you know, when I started out in, in, in engineering and I kind of started on my degree, I actually started out thinking I wanted to be an industrial engineer because I looked at the curriculum and that looked a little easy. <laughs> I actually took an internship and I would suggest everyone take an internship in industrial engineering. And it was fun. It was interesting. We were setting up machines. We were uh, actually learning. We were setting up a factory for uh, belt, bulk milk tanks for a company uh, so they could be put out on the farm for collecting milk. You but, are from Kansas. Uh, well, actually, I grew up in Wisconsin. <laughs> the, that was even, that's even more. My, actually, there's not a lot of dairy at cats. It's in Wisconsin dairy at this point still. But yeah, so I essentially went, went through all that. And I, and, but the designs were kind of messed up. I didn't think it was a really great design. I said, well, I can do that. I, I could have designed this milk tank better than these guys did. Yeah. Who designs the milk tanks? <laughs> so, these mechanical engineers are corporate. Well, that's what I want to be now. <laughs> so I went off and I, I changed my, my major to be a mechanical engineer. And I, of course, got a degree and graduated. And then actually, I, I knew I wanted to design something. Like I said, I, I, with my background, or I, I already talked about, I wanted to understand how things worked. I kind of wanted to 
I almost have a, a craftsman personality from what I can tell. And so I thought, okay, where can I design something? And a job with NCR, National Cash Register, opened up in Kansas at the time. So I said, well, gee, that's a really great opportunity. I'm going to move down to Kansas. I'll just stay there three years and I'll go back yeah. to Wisconsin. Because <laughs> we know, you know, there, there's no trees down in Kansas. <laughs> uh, but in fact, I got down there. It was a wonderful job. I did mechanical engineering for over 10 years there, doing a lot of packaging work. So that was actually for, I started out doing packaging for MO5 cash registers. So they're the cash registers that go in the back of like a, a target or something like that. And the packaging being the sheet metal, the plastics, and a lot of the, the physical nature of everything. Um, as the time went on, I ended up actually becoming a plastics expert. So I ended up being an expert in plastics design. And I ended up also working a lot with the industry and the molders that make the plastic parts. So for every plastic part, there's probably a $50,000 mold machine that they make for each individual one. So I found that really cool. And it's a very important role because, you know, it's a $50,000 machine. You don't want to mess up. <laughs> I said, Oops, sorry. Can you start over? You know? So that was, that was the, and I, I ended up doing a lot of computer analysis then because originally I started on the drafting board, drawing them out. And, you know, with the slide where the on rules and with different color pens. And eventually I got into the CAD systems and, you know, eventually we got into doing a lot of modeling of the way the, the plastic flows through the mold to actually make the part. So I got into all that. So I, I really progressed quite a ways in that career. Why I switched out of it, it's never been completely clear to me. We're going to get to the bottom of it. You know, as you're going through your career, you're going like, well, all these other cool important people are doing this. So that's, I guess, what I should do. And and so I started working on an MBA and a couple of years in the MBA, I moved out of mechanical engineering then and into more project management role. And then I ended up kind of coming back into the group in more of a systems engineering role where I started working at the electronics and everything else, even though I was a mechanical engineer, the cabling, I got, you know, just, I learned on the job, got very good at all that. And so I kind of was moving there and it was so big turning point was actually then uh, my boss's boss's boss came to me and I applied for a job. I wanted to, I said, okay, I'm going to be a manager. I'm, I'm going to manage people because that's what people do. Like, so that's why I got my, my business degree to manage people. And he came to me and said, well, you, know, you apply for this job. You got the job. If you want to manage the, the project management group, you can't. But I also got this other job and I think you'll like it a lot better. It's on a different track. You're an individual contributor but you're going to work at project management. You're going to work to the business side. You're going to justify projects. You're going to work with the engineers on what should be the requirements, you know, that they come up with and put into their products. You're going to work with end users. It pays, it pays the same, actually a little more, which one you ought to go. I said, well, okay, well, I actually wasn't that, you know, I was up and, and she, oh, he said, interestingly, by the way, I do have another candidate for the management job. That person really, really wants to manage people. And I was going, I, I don't, I don't have any real desire. Really, really want to manage you that really, really want. I just wanted to kind of. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's exactly right. And so he said, okay. So I went and, and went to the product management job. Product management is a great career within the industry, the, the, the IT industry. You know, anybody that's, that's creating servers, anybody that's creating storage. This was actually a storage product manager. 
based creating networking. They all have business product management people that have a mix of engineering and business, which is really why it's a really good set of background to have an MBA and then a, an engineering. Degree. You're straddling. Because you're straddling the two. You're constantly straddling between those when you're doing the job as well. So, and I did that for a, a number of years. Still haven't made it back to Wisconsin. Really enjoyed it. And by the way, I never did. <laughs> I ended up meeting a wife. That hat is still collecting dust. I, I do have a cheese head hat, though. Actually, I have several at home, but still. So <laughs> you, you can't take that out of me yet. But, you know, I, I, I've been definitely a Kansas, a bit of Kansas now for, I should say, 40 years doing pretty much a lot of the same technical work that I've been doing. But but that was a great That was a great period. Also got to start talking to end users. My boss told me, well, gee, you know, make sure you can do some public speaking because that's really, really important. And so talking to end users and speaking, that was fun. Man, I, I did, because there's nothing better than coming in a room and being the smartest guy in the room without your product. And no matter what, no matter what happens, you're going to be the smartest room on your, our first person there on your product. And, and a lot of me still, even today, I'm driven to want to be the smartest person in the room. And it doesn't have to be on. Well, it's not going to be on everything, not, not even close, but if you, if you narrow down your subject, narrowly enough, right? If it's nice it down and focus on it. Nobody is a more of an expert on moving from Wisconsin to Kansas and not moving back, but the dead is on. Yeah, exactly. Or, or you know, something like, like if you're the, the expert on snapshots, they could be remotely copied to the cloud. <laughs> it's like, it's like designing a patent, right? You're, it's so specific so this was that you're the only one that knows it you're the only one. And, and so you come into the room and you go i'm the only one that knows that and, and that's really actually as i think about it as i think about a lot of my mid-career especially that's really served me well to want to be the, the smartest person in the room about something as long as i parse it down narrowly enough <laughs> so do you feel passionate enough about it to justify to pick that one direction and staying on course with it no, was that just the luck of the draw? It, it was, it, well, it, no, it was definitely, I made a conscious decision to move auto mechanical engineering into what was more of the mainstream where all the cool people were in the company, but also cool things I wanted to, to do and I wanted to learn. And so, you know, I, I spent about 10, 15 years doing that, being a product, a product manager. I, I went into then strategic planning and I started getting a lot closer to the engineers. I started writing some, some code, even working very closely with the engineers, working pretty deeply in the technology. And, uh, I did that for a number of years. That was, that was fun. I also got to work a lot with the executives, which was really fun to try to you know help them. It, actually, it, that, that is the most fun and frustrating job you can do because they're inundated with so many ideas and you have to figure out how to Hook your idea through because you know you're right at yours. Because <laughs> you're the uh, smartest person in the room. Because you're the smartest person in the room. <laughs> and, and, you know, they will listen to you, but th they end up getting hit by so many different ideas. It is very, it, it's one of the, the probably the, the hardest things about that part of my career was learning how to persuade executives and people to actually go with your idea. Yeah, so, much, so much of our careers ends up being psychology, right? It's how you manage the expectations of people, not necessarily people. I remember. I'm a huge fan of The Sopranos. There's a storyline in The Sopranos where he's trying to like manage his uncle or or Tony's trying to manage his uncle and his psychologist gives him a book 
on dealing with like elder relatives where it's very similar to dealing with children where you have to give them the illusion of being in control and make sure, make it seem as though they're the ones that came up with the idea. And, the, and you know, it's, it's, you know, it sounds like it's underhanded. It sounds like it's manipulative in large part because it is, but it's the best way to like, you have to understand the perspective of the people that you're talking to and dealing with and allow them to get the wit. Yeah, you're, you're completely right. No, you're definitely right. That is the best thing to do. Work with them, almost get them to think it's their idea. You, unfortunately, you have to run around a lot and have a lot of one-on-one meetings to explain it to them. I just picture you yeah. running to the golf course and then... <laughs> I can totally picture Phil Walt referencing the Sopranos. Right. I think I, I, I read having manager manager. Okay, I'm sure you did, <laughs> but I'm from Jersey now. So I am docked. I, my taxes go up, but I don't mention the Sopranos at least once in each podcast. So after that, I ended up actually going back into engineering, going to in, into an advanced development role. I already talked about, I was already dabbling in software and writing some software. And so I actually ended up being basically the, the, the kind of the lead, a little bit of a, I didn't really have a title. Those are always the best. And, but, but essentially I worked with a, with a group of about four or five people. They were always all software people. And we would just do projects that we came up with as in advanced development. Now you'd have to kind of sell them a little bit to your boss, but essentially if it was a somewhat solid idea and we just ran off and started writing code and doing that. And so I ended up in the lab a lot, setting up equipment, helping them write some code even at times and showing them how to write some things. And so that, that's just bizarre. I kind of went from this to me, this mechanical engineer to actually leading software teams in advanced development on things like hybrid cloud projects that we worked on that I was, I was very, very proud of. Which you learned on the job. I mean, none of that was formally educated. I, I learned that on the job. I mean, I, you know, I took, <laughs> I did a lot of Googling. <laughs> so it's about to YouTube. <laughs> I did take, you know, some certification courses, which I, I very, I actually strongly believe in, even though the rest of the industry is still trying to catch up with me. I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty big believer in, in, not not simple, easy certifications, but certifications where you really have to dig in, you know, spend a bunch of time, study, even get a teacher online and, and you're joining a, a course virtually, which is just so easy to do now. I, you know, I've, I've been in courses that have been out of India where the guy was in Washington, D.C., teaching me through the Indian school. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, fascinating. Yeah, so it's, it's education anywhere, anytime, any resource. You know, we, we kind of laugh at the fact that Googling, you, you just use that term. I mean, Google is the biggest book ever written. It's the biggest education platform that there is. So now you ended up being an analyst. How did that come? Yeah, well, so, you know, it was a bit of a, a, a natural follow-on on a, on a NetApp and, you know, some of the struggles NetApp was having, I ended up, look, you know, moving out of there, moving on to something else. And an analyst is actually a bit of a nice fit when, when you, it's, it's almost mandatory for the analysts we have at Almdia. You have some industry background, actually quite a bit of industry background. So you can talk to the people in the industry. You can- It's tough to analyze something you don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's hard to, to, for me to go to somebody that, which, you know, is a, is a hardcore data center person or hardcore storage person. And I said, I don't really know about storage, but I want to cover you on a research. You know, it's like, I want to write about what you're doing. It's like, you know, you have to really be a peer to them to, right. uh, you got to appear smart. You have to, you have to be a peer smart. And, and beyond that, you actually have to kind of be smart in the subject. Now, again, it's hopefully it's a narrow enough subject. You can be smart because if you're not smart enough, 
You but can't. they'll sniff it away in a second. They, you, right? they, they are they are experts. Well, you were in that position before. But I was in that position before, so it did transfer over very well for me. But you can't, most of the time, it's difficult to jump into just being an analyst, right. especially an industry analyst in data center storage or in compute. You have to have some. You needed the previous 30 you plus need, years. You needed at least a good 10 or 15. Yeah. We do have some junior analysts and, you know, they work out really well, but they work out in a little more in a support role to, you know, a lead analyst that can talk to the industry. Well, ironic, it, it, it goes both ways, right? So if you end up being a junior analyst, maybe helping create reports, the, the exposure to the industry on that side of it might be a justification for you to get hired in-house by one of these companies that that allow you to be more of an expert in that field because you now have this wide breadth of experience. So it, it seems like it works. I, I would completely agree with that. Yeah, no, that, that's completely true. If you start to, to gain that expertise, that knowledge, you could very easily transfer into being a, a junior product manager or something that, you know, has a leadership role within the organization in creating products or going out and talking to customers. Product management has typically two phases. One is an internal phase around developing products and working with the engineering group or externally you work and you talk to the, the, the customers, you explain the product to the customers, you do conferences and shows, you, you better, in one side, you better you know, kind of know how to speak. And the other side, you can be very introverted and work with the engineering staff, which is many times very introverted as well. So it works out well for- This is just, just sitting there in silence all the time. So, <laughs> so it's, a, it's always, the product management is always an interesting role because there's so many facets to it. And it, it's kind of an odd role because it's also not well-defined as to what your, what your work even is many times. Well, I'm a big fan of the X factor in any job role. And I think you, you've experienced that. And, and the X factor, what, what I'm referring to is having the flexibility and freedom to design the future. Now, just out of curiosity, if you were to look back in time and going through the education that you went through and the fact that you're still out of, all of this is still out of Kansas, what would you do differently if given the opportunity to relive your life all over again? knowing what you know today? Not, not a lot. So moving up this more individual contributor ladder, especially in these days where it's being recognized as being a really important, so that you can go up the technical side, you can get very, very technical. You can get very well paid. You can get, you know, very, or you can go up the manager side and you manage people, you motivate people. You know, I see value in all that on the management side. It's just, it just never has really clicked with me that did something. But, but most organizations now, especially in the industry, have these two, two, two ladders you can go up. One, the technical and one, the leadership. And, you know, I, I ended up choosing the technical essentially, but, you know, either one's valid. Would you classify as that as your passion? The, the, the technical side. Oh, very much so. Yeah. I, I, you know, so when, when that, when that senior person sat down with me and said, you know, you can go down this, in this managerial side and, you know, he kind of was trying to get me to not do that, even though he's, but I know you hate people, but he, he's, no, he said, <laughs> said, you got the job. You're really good at it. You know, if, if you want that job, you know, it's yours, but we have this other job. And you're going to have to learn a whole bunch about the product. You're going to have to work really hard at, at, at understanding, getting your technical skills all squared up. You're going to go up in front of some of the smartest people in the industry and represent your product to them within 
you know, Dell, HP, where our customers, uh, SGI back then, you know, I'd go and talk to their smartest engineers about what we could do in storage for them. And that's the one I picked <laughs> after his speech, you know, and he knew, I knew that I really didn't have the passion to go out there and kind of manage. Well, you have this, so you, you seem to have this insatiable curiosity, right? Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's difficult to, to embrace that type of curiosity when you're managing people who are supposed to be the ones that are, you know, then, 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 then branching out. It's a, it's a totally different skill set. It's, it's a totally different skill set. So, but you know, the only other thing I would have done differently, especially when I was in high school, college, but definitely high school, you'd be, is, you know, take more software humanities kinds of, I wish I would have taken debate. I so wish I would have taken <laughs> debate. Maybe I would have hated it, but it would have been so good for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. public speaking as well. Same thing, you know, a lot more public speaking when I'm at that level. It's so difficult. You know, I, I see it now again, I'll, I'll, I'll reference my, my son eight years, you know, we're trying to take piano lessons and, and, you know, we're just trying to, it's still in him, this idea. And he's like, why? Like, why do I need to do this? I don't like it. I, I, I don't want to do it. And he's really good at it and, and, and all that. But it's like when you are a, a kid, even when you're a teenager, even when you're in college, it's really difficult for you to kind of appreciate the benefit of like getting ensconced at all of these things mm -hmm. that will, will provide value to you later on. It's why I think one of the amazing things that have come out, born out of the pandemic is that while it's been like incredibly difficult for the, you know, the kids not to have, you know, their, their social uh, structure and all that, the fact that they're able to embrace all these communication platforms, the Zooms, the, the teams, all those practical kind of skills. And they've, you know, they love it because, you know, it's on computers and it's buttons and it's clicking and they could make little mouse ears on themselves or whatever. But it's so practical that an eight-year-old or a nine-year-old or a 10-year-old today can fit right into any kind of organization or corporate structure and, you know, like get the zoom meeting no problem it's amazing yeah and add value yeah <laughs> totally add value very good well it was great having you really enjoyed to get to know you what are one or two core lessons or qualities that you think have been the core for your success continue learning and i don't know why i start moving in a direction i start moving in a direction and all of a sudden i'm that <laughs> so I decided, you know, mechanical engineer doing really well at it, having fun. They don't actually, you know, they don't want to let me loose, but I decided I want to go into business. So there is some kind of level of curiosity there. And I start working on the MBA and I start working in that direction. I start being a product management, which does have a tremendous amount of business within it itself. So, you know, it's just, just continual learning and being curious. And if you're young, being the smartest person in the room on something, seriously. You know, so right now I'm working, so, so my next career, you know, I've been doing 40 years now. My next career, I'm working on React right now, React.js. I love working in React.js. React.js is the kind of thing that puts this, the graphics on your phone and it puts the graphics on your laptop. Most of that is then a JavaScript, then React is a, like a super version library of, 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 of JavaScript. Why? I don't know. <laughs> my wife thinks I'm crazy. I'm sitting in bed, 11 o'clock at night, going, I said, look what I did, Tony. That's real nice. Yeah, you, I said, yeah, this is the latest drag and drop library in React. <laughs> it served me well. If you're, if you're able to do anything in your life and maintain that level of passion, excitement, you know, you, you should totally do it. So I think. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no question that the curiosity is the big thing. And 
And there's just that you don't have that, that fear of change. You know, some people get just trapped in their world and they don't want to change because they don't know what's on the other side. There's that risk of failure. And if you believe in yourself, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's never really felt like a, a leap of faith much. It's been more of a, just a, an interesting transition over there. And it's, it's odd how those have all happened because we've had some pretty major transitions to think I'm, I'm, you know, doing plastics design one day and, you know, years later, I'm in the data center picking up the fiber cables into the fiber channel switch and turning it all on actually works, you know, I mean. Well, the, end of the, the end of the Ethernet cable is made out of plastic. <laughs> it is. Anyway, this has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Talk. It was fun. This has been great. Nothing lasts forever. Markets will come back. Currencies will rebound. Businesses will go on. And we'll all move on. That could happen next week, next month, or next year. I'm confident that those who prepare rather than panic will come out of this stronger. Thank you for joining us. This has been brought to you by Nomad Futurist. Check us online at nomadfuturist.com.